302nd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that wishes Watsy would send a cyber rat ninja to clean the ghosts out of the MTGO machine. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen, at Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everyone. Good evening, James glad to be here and looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you our show is produced by mtgprice.com the leading mtg finance community sign up today mtgprice.com to plan your specs chat on discord and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby james it is episode 302 uh do you still read off the script every time yep for most yeah, of it me too. just to double check yeah yeah me too 300 I mean, we can't, we said we've had this copy for at least 200 episodes, but I still have to look over at it. I mean, I, I, I like under pressure for money or to save my child's life, I could probably get most of this right. But yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I but like, I've never made an attempt to do it off the top of my head. Nope. Meanwhile, I've got like six kids books memorized already. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, MDG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Probably a bunch of Christmas gifts, too. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number five, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. What is on our agenda this week? This week, we will be talking about four different things. Just four. Uh, segment one, our MTGO metagame week in review. We've got two modern challenges. Segment two, our top paper movers, a series of cards that have moved in price this week. And uh, I'm using seeing the top one there at the, the, the one at the top of the list, um, along with the MTGO movers. Segment three, our cards to watch. James and I have a couple cards you might want to keep your eyes on. And finally, for segment four, our weekly topics, we got a dump of Kamigawa artwork as well as a upcoming collab with some premium product distributors. So we'll dip into that and see what what might be waiting for us on the Kamigawa front. I feel like we're going to be saying that a lot over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but over here, our MTGO Metagame Week in Review, we'll start off with this modern challenge from December 11th. Um, relatively normal for the first several slots here. Some Yorion Control, Blue-Red Murktide. We've got Yawgmoth combo in third with the three Grists, um, Jund, and then two Hammer Times with sixth place being the white-green version. So, uh, you know, pretty familiar decks at this point, at least for the first six slots. The green splash and that white-green Hammer Time is basically for Ancient Stirrings. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go to find whatever artifact you're missing, I suppose. Which truthfully does not sound terrible. And then out of the sideboard, they get a Gaia's Blessing, which I guess is against the green uh, or the blue-black mill decks, and Veil of Summer to combat all sorts of counter magic and black spells that might be targeting their permanents. Veil of Summer. Man, that was a card that was so much better than anyone would have expected. Yep. $55 for those foils. Woo! <laughs> How many of those do you think got left in, like, draft piles somewhere? Plenty of. Ugh. 
Uh, seventh place, though, is uh, an Obosh aggro deck. Uh, and I don't think I've said those words out loud before. Uh, not that I remember, anyways. Obosh, the Prey Piercer, is the companion. The 5 mana, 3, 5, where everything has to have an odd converted mana cost. Um, so we've got Chandra Dress to Kill, which I also don't... Did we see this in Modern last week, or is this the first time for that? Chandra's been around uh, last few weeks doing work in multiple formats. Uh, I don't recall a deck that was t- that top aided in the challenges last weekend with Chandra, but there's definitely been 5-0 lists floating around with Chandra. Um, so three Chandra Dress to Kill... Definitely a card that people that went in early on probably did well. I think a lot of people assumed this this was, one was kind of going to fall flat, and there was probably an entry on opening weekend to get in on these quick. Now the foils are already, let's see, I'm going to guess 30, 35, maybe 40. Yeah, 35. 35 is cheapest on TCG player, 30 listings less. This could be end up being a 60 or $70 magic card if, uh, if it shows up in a couple of different, at least tier 2 or tier 3 lists in modern. Yeah, it's, I mean, the extended art is not terrible, um, the borderless. I should say that it's, it's, it's better, it's probably slightly better than the average, I would say, in terms of the artwork. So, I mean, those foils could be kind of cool. Um, but given that this is an Obosh deck, one wonders how much of the value here is that this is a three mana card. Um, her plus one, she adds a mana and deals a damage. And then she has another plus one where you uh, exile the top card of your library and you can cast it this turn. So it's make a mon and deal damage or draw a card, both pluses. Those are solid, I think, well, for, a, for a deck, especially that's on the offensive. The plus one would be a lot more interesting in its damage dealing if it could target creatures. That would be way better in this format. Yeah. Because then, deal- then you can kill Ragavans and Dragage Rage Channelers and a bunch of other stuff. So... Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that would be pretty nice. But, Agreed. But still a good card, um, mm-hmm. and uh, doesn't have much it's... of an EDH presence, so I haven't gone in on them. But I'm certainly not in any rush to sell the ones that I cracked out of Vow product. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking here. So aside from the Chandra, you have four Dragon Rage Channeler, four Swift Spear, four Ragavan, four Soul Scar, uh, four Light Up the Stage, which technically costs three but has a one mana spectacle cost four lava dart and four lightning bolt a solid half of this deck can be cast off of her plus one so it's not hard to put her into play and then immediately follow up with another card uh and there's a lot of very potent red one drops and then you know you sprinkle some blood moon in at the three and fury at the five uh it seems Four so it doesn't den, seem terrible. Four den and the bugbear here again. Can't remember if that was one of my picks a while back or we just talked about it. But the uh, showcase den and the bugbear foils are probably gonna dry up in the not too distant future. Yeah, and I guess I mean, and it feels like a type of deck that might be more likely to play get its companion out than maybe some others, just because I don't see a lot in the way of card draw. Um, which is unsurprising in this type of strategy. You basically have your light up the stage and your Chandras. So, uh, you know, by the time you put Chandra down, you're probably not far from being able to pull Obosh into your hand and uh, double all your damage. So an interesting deck, at least. I guess the takeaway here is probably to keep an eye on Chandra and see if that keeps coming back, because everything else feels pretty familiar. Den of the Bugbear foils down to 16 listings. That's not... 
a lot. And I did indeed call this to go 10 to 25 back on episode 299. And we were down to 47 listings then. So we're two-thirds of the way there on in terms of listings. And it doesn't look like you're more than about 10 copies away from turning the corner to 20+. plus. I have a feeling that's going to end up a win. It seems like it. Seems well positioned. Um, just given the fact that anyone who's playing this competitive is likely going to buy four. It's also just in a bunch of different decks and a bunch of different formats. And also is a reasonable card to slide into your EDH deck. Especially if you're running goblins. But uh, probably just good just in general if you've got room. The closer you are mm-hmm. to mono red, the more likely you are to swap a mountain for one of these for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 8th place over here is a Zabaz affinity deck. Uh, Hardened Scales and Zabaz, yep, four of both scales. of the, both of the, above the above. Arcbound Ravagers, Workers, Hanger Backwalker, Walking Ballista, a Goblin Bombardment, uh, which is pretty cute, right? Because you can you're basically bomb getting free kills of those X ones in the format, in the sense that you want to move counters over to something anyway, so you can do it proactively to cl- to get a Ragavan off the board and then make one of your things real big. Hmm. I mean, sacrificing your hanger back walker to make a bunch of tokens and then using that to pepper the board is going to be pretty annoying for your opponents, no doubt. And they have access to the four Urza Saga as well. So yeah, in, in a deck where they can go get Shadow Spear, Animation Module, Spring Leaf Drum, the Ozolith, uh, Welding Jar, and a bunch of stuff out of the sideboard. So they've got their little Saga t- toolkit going. Four Grove the Burn Walls. It's been a, been a little bit... Been a minute. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, the other modern challenge here again, Yorion control uh, at the top. I see a time warp in here. <laughs> yeah, they ran a time warp uh, and a wandering mind. Time warp is probably the best time walk effect in modern. I mean, there's a reason they have not reprinted this in quite some time. Because it is better than every other time walk effect they have printed in standard probably since what, like M ten? Was that when Time Warp was printed in standard? M twelve? There is that M that three mana one that makes you skip your up untap phase. And it's savor the moment. Yeah, and if you're running if you're running the thirteen planeswalker plus builds of Omnath, I wonder if you're supposed to run that one instead. If this is even good. Who knows if that was just a hey, I'm trying this out or they, if this player had been doing in, intensive testing and c- had come to the conclusion that they wanted a single time warp. Um, it also seems more attractive in the builds uh, that run Bring Delight because you're, as a one of, you're in an 80 card deck, you're much more likely to be able to leverage the effect when you want to if you have BTLs in your deck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is nifty. So second and third, Grixis Death Shadow. Uh, definitely worth keeping your eye on some Death Shadows, methinks. Uh, what are we down to on Foil Death Shadows now that it's been relevant for a minute? Because this has only ever been p- printed in World Wake, Modern Masters 2017, and Double Masters. So two premium sets and a set from, what, 15 years ago? And how much are the modern players buying in on this? We're down to 22 listings on the Double Masters foils from a year ago. I guess a little bit more than that, 14, 16 months, something like that. Double Masters was midsummer 2020. Uh, $10 copy still sitting around, but if they don't print this again this year, and I have a feeling it skips this year entirely, um, unless maybe a secret layer, that could happen. Um, 
you know, these could go 10 to 20 pretty easily. For which which copy specifically? Double Masters Death Shadow Foils. For the foils. Uh, the card has yeah. I mean, the cards never had a premium treatment. Nope. That. I mean, that to me is almost the reason not to. I, I so a. I think you're right. I think that the at twenty two vendors with foils at ten bucks, which is relatively low. I see a guy with seven, and that's about the most of it. Um. I think this is is probably slated to do pretty well. But when I see a card like this that's... Wizards has, like, a reasonable reason... Reasonable reason to return to. I'd be be worried of a premium treatment showing up and invalidating the pack foils. It It could be a premium treatment outside the set for Double Masters 2. Because they did... But... Yeah. But... That doesn't seem all that likely. I think Secret Layers is the most likely, but I, it's not a huge priority. It's not like there aren't copies of this available in the market. It's also not like there's that much modern paper modern getting played. This is also a single archetype card for the most part. I mean, there is a little bit of crossover between Grixis Shadow and sometimes Jun Shadow these days, but mostly it's Grixis Death Shadow. So it, it's it's got a chance at a reprint, but I have a feeling these foils are going to double before we see it. It's not like it's a it's a huge target for them, but it is a card that sees a solid amount of play in a, the, essentially the second most prominent paper format. I mean, they considered it reasonable enough to put in the Double Masters last year, but they didn't give us a cool version of it. So if in the Double Double Masters coming next year, 2022, um, if they do that thing like they did for Modern Horizons where they go back and print, you know premium versions of the previous a couple of the previous sets cards death shadow seems like it would be high on the list because again they would be picking out of double masters cards that didn't get the special treatment which is a shorter list anyways i don't see that being very likely just because doing that from modern horizons one to two is a continuation of original cards from that series of sets double masters is a pure reprint set in the vein of modern masters one two three and and m25 and so forth so i think it's probably safe there given that they just gave it to us last time i mean you're right that it's a continuation so it doesn't make as much sense but think about money (laughs) (laughs) and they could have more of it if they did that well yeah but i I, there's so many other options so i i think we both agree there's a chance but it's no certain it's far from a certainty um fourth place in this modern challenge on the sunday shardless footfalls for endurance for fury in the main grixis control in fifth which is different from grixis death shadow because the only two creatures in here are four ragavan and four snapcaster mage and then a pile of instants and sorceries um so that's notable and then uh five color yorion bring to light has a lot of the same cards as your four color yorion control builds um but has a couple of oddities in it uh, because they have BTL to go get them. So, for instance, they have a Valky uh, Lord of Lies. Is that what his name is? Uh, Sounds right. So, yeah. Valky God of Lies, not Lord of Lies. Um, a Renegade Rallier. There's a card we haven't seen in a while. Uh, an Obsidian Charmaw in the main and three more on the board. Four Eladomri's Call. Four Ephemerate. 
uh, prismatic and expressive iteration. There's a lot of specs in this deck. Let's just leave it at that. Um, and then hammer time in seventh and eighth. So the, the usual scene for modern lately, a bunch of staple decks and a couple of surprises. Yep. Moving on over to top paper movers of the week, we can get started with Hunted Phantasm uh, at a Ravnica, four to eight dollars for a double up on the back of Toxrill. This follows in the footsteps of the foils of this, as well as the Hunted Horror, non-foils and foils. Uh, Ritual of the Machine out of Alliance is going from ten to twenty-five apparently for one hundred and forty percent gains or so. Uh, I guess it went to twenty-four then. Uh, it's a reserve list card. Uh, Guild Pact Informant. It's supposedly out of War of the Spark, but that should have an asterisk because apparently it's only available in the uh, Planeswalker decks, uh, a format of product that we've already abandoned, So, and a lot of people have probably forgotten. Um, this thing is a Planeswalker deck exclusive, so it's mostly a supply-side play, and it doesn't look like this is natural market movement because something like 60 copies got bought up in a day or something on TCG, so this just looks... <laughs> looks like a pro trader or somebody from some other group trying to make a play on something for reasons unknown. Uh, I'm, I'm not super stoked about where that one is headed, though. Show any, yourself, coward. Well, it, <laughs> any supply-side play can work out if, if the demand is there to support it at some new plateau, but I, I, I'm not seeing the, the major demand on this. Apparently, Jason mentioned it on Brainstorm Brewery as a bulk pick as well, so maybe that moved the needle. Well, we are aware that Jason is part of a secret a cabal. Yeah, the, another, yet another cabal. So uh, he has trouble keeping track of all his cabals. Yeah, uh, me too. Reconnaissance mission foils out of Icoria were the pro trader pick of the week last week from user Malu, and I think his call was to go three to ten, and they went like three to six fifty or so on the week. Uh, so got got a bump probably from pro trader interest, and uh, they are hollowed out to the point where I suspect the market will clean the rest of that up. So, is that the first time we've had a pro trader pick manage to hit the turn, what you call it turn the, the corner the, on the first week? Yeah, because it happens with our picks pretty regularly. I, I think, in all fairness, it happens to anybody's pick when you're mopping up. Like, I don't think it's a particular sign of our or his brilliance when something like that goes down. It's more that you came upon something that was just about to turn the corner and you put the flag up at the right time. I did a similar thing with Urza Saga foils in the Discord a few weeks back, and those have definitely bumped up 20 or 30 bucks a piece since then. Um, it's really just a, a matter of looking at the data on the day where it, movement has already taken place, and there are some straggler copies sitting around, and you're putting your hand up and saying, hey, these are probably the last of the getting. So get them while they're good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that it's not, I mean, it, it was a solid pick. It's not, it's not like it means that it was tremendous compared to the other ones. Uh, but I just don't remember having seen that type of thing happen previously. I think I also think to get to flipping these at 10 plus, you need to, like the ninja themes need to follow through in Kamigawa and set that motion all up. So far... Given the art we got confirmed this week, it looks like it will, but we'll see. Hey, hey, don't be spoiling our segment four here. We got a Cursed Witch foils out of Shadows of our Innistrad. I'm pretty sure I have some of these sitting around. I can't remember why I bought them originally, but it seems like I should be happy to have them now. Seven to 18. I'm going to say I was in on them significantly below seven. Uh, Lind is that curse commander I couldn't remember the name of last week. So that's probably why those are on the move, because when that witch dies, it flips into a curse. 
uh, abundant growth foils out of eternal masters. Um, this should be EMA, not EMN, which is Eldritch Moon. Abundant Growth Foils 5 to 17. That's the Yorion modern decks that are driving that. And then Cryptolith Fragment out of Eldritch Moon going from 5 to 18. That's because it lets you tap for mana, and when you do, everybody at the EDH table loses a life. And Strafon uh, is a new vampire commander that cares about life loss. Gives you blood tokens, I think, based on how many players lost life during a turn. So you tap it for whatever during your turn and you're getting a bunch of blood tokens which seems good in that deck mm -hmm. uh vampire nocturnus foils uh from 50 to 200 question mark like who knows what the actual <laughs> plateau is there i don't know if anybody's paying 200 dollars for a vampire nocturnus foil but i would imagine you could you're you know you have now shrunk the market <laughs> to the point where there's eight people willing to pay a higher price i don't know if that price is 80 120 or 200 uh, but if you're holding any you'll certainly find out soon yeah, like, so I will say I don't see this happening. Like, the M10 pack foil is the original, but you have, there was a promo from M10 that was, uh, I think that was, it was the the release promo, I want to say. So there was a good amount of those around, and it was in 2013, and those foils, um, I mean, unless, let's see, take a look at the M13 foil real quick here. Uh, foil, they, there's two M13 foils at 25, um there was also the dual the duels of planeswalker promo wasn't foil i i mean i guess you're looking at the m10 and the m13 are the only foils uh, and the promo let's put it this way there's copies in europe under 30 bucks so if you believe in being able to flip the card over 50 go ahead and pick a few up and test your theory yeah and i get it looks like the promo is at 13 i don't know i don't even the 50 here seems questionable to me all right uh, moving along, we got uh, Forerunner of the Legion out of uh, Rivals of Ixalan. Foils from 3 to 14. That's a vampire hype card, if I've ever seen one. Let's you go get a vampire and put it on top of your deck or something. Uh, March of Souls out of Plane Shift 2 to 14. That's a loose spirit spec, if I've ever seen one. And then Fumiko the Lowblood as the stand-in here for a whole bunch of foil samurai and ninja cards from the old Kamigawa blocks that people have been going after. On the assumption that they're going to be able to out them that, to people that are newly interested. Um, not a card I would have chosen to, to touch because it doesn't seem that exciting to me, even in a samurai build. Um, foils going from 12 to 100, question mark, question mark. What's the real price yeah. someone will give you for that card? Not that, yeah, probably. It's, it's Betrayers of Kamigawa, so there were like eight foils of this before. Yeah. And it's also... She's a samurai, but like that's literally the only relevant text on here as far as yeah, as Kamigawa is concerned. So this this is just somebody reaching. But I mean, with the volume that's out there, uh, I'm not saying they're gonna miss. As long as you're shallow, you'll probably be all right. Yeah. Um, moving over to Magic Online Movers of the Week, we got Soren the Mirthless doing work in uh, both digital and paper, I guess. Fifteen point six eight ticks to twenty one in a bit. Uh, 34% gains on plenty of standard play. Cemetery Gatekeeper from Vow is also in a similar situation. Six tickets or so to just over eight. 40% gains, on the again, on the back of standard play for the most part. There was a modern Jeskai deck running around that used Lotus Field and Flagstones of Shocare um, to do some fun things and set up a mid-range control-ish game. And uh, I think Aspiring Spike was uh, playing it for a few days on his stream. 
and it showed up in some 5-0s, I think. So Lotus Field went from 6 tickets to 8.67, 43% gains. And then Arclate Phoenix deck finished second in the Pioneer Showcase Challenge this weekend. And Phoenix, <laughs> for the millionth time, made people some money. And then we'll probably retreat later since it is a roller coaster of a card. This time going from 4.26 tickets to 6.18, 45% gains. Oh, boy. Arclight Phoenix is... Uh... There's a joke in there about specs and returning from the ashes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay. So that brings us right over here to our picks of the week. Uh, James, why don't you do us the honor? All right. My first one this week is the lands that you and I both underestimated, I think. Uh, Shipwreck Marsh Borderless Foils from Midnight Hunt, just a few months old here, down to 18 listings on TCG Player. So, a couple of things are true here at the same time. One, there doesn't seem to have been that much Midnight Hunt cracked for value. And then, consequently, two, there's been a relatively steady gain, drain on these that has uh, managed to push them down to almost being a supply-side play. Um, when we say that you can pick these up around 10 to $12, and I'm calling them at 10 you don't have that opportunity left on TCG Player. Lowest price copies right now are 13 14 15 Over in Europe, you can get them at 7 or €8, Euro, which puts you closer to 9 to 12 depending on how many you get and how much the shipping looks like. Uh, those are probably buys, because this is actually the second most popular EDH rec card from Midnight Hunt. It's in 27% of decks reported since. Probably Will Held has something to do with that, as it's more or less an auto-include there. Uh, 10,000 decks total. It's down to 18 listings, as I said, on TCG, and the CK credit backup play here is $9. So it would be hard to go wrong. That is uh, it's a lot of play for a card that is so new. I guess, I mean, I suppose it is a very accessible dual land for EDH, right? Because it comes into play tapped, unless you control two or more others. So it's the reverse of a fast land, essentially, sort of. Um, but that's 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 fine if you're playing EDH, because as long as it's not the first two lands you play, then it, it comes on play on tap, then it makes both mana. Um, so I get why it's popular. Uh, yeah, geez. So uh, did you look and see... You're looking at the foil borderless... How does the non-foil borderless look on this? Because, and I ask because it seems like the type of card that might do well uh, in a, a slightly cheaper version based on who I imagine the player is that's interested in this. 48 listings starts at about 8 bucks. So okay, and how given that we can get it pretty close to that price for the foils in Europe, I still prefer the foils. The foils, okay. And it's interesting that they're, yeah, they're obviously much more popular than either of us had anticipated. Um, I feel like for the most part, we've, I don't want to say have, I've become less interested in lands, but like the standard, whenever there's standard lands, I feel like it's been a little while since we've talked about them in the same way that we used to. I mean, this is, we have in the past. this is a little worse, I think, overall than Morphic Pool. Uh, and Morphic Pool is interesting because we got it in Battle Bond, and then we got it again as a Zendikar Rising Expedition, right? And the Morphic Pool Zendikar Rising Expeditions down to 29 listings, and they started about $38, and that's just over a year out from their release. 
So Shipwreck Marsh enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more other lands. So on turns one and two, it's a tapped land. On every turn beyond that, it's just a duel. So presumably, if your opening hand in EDH is some other land that comes into play untapped, and say a soul ring or something, then your first couple of turns are going to be you're not the, the marsh is never going to get in your way. The only way it wrecks you is if you end up with it and some other comes into play tapped card that slows you down on turns one or two. But if you don't have a one or a two drop that you're worried about, it's again not going to be a problem. So it's less restrictive of a template than it seems at first glance, I suppose. And as a result, players are playing the card. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, if you're playing standard, it's another story, but um, you know, as far as EDH goes, it's, it's pretty painless, uh, unlikely to be that much of a problem for you. So like I said, I, I, I guess I get it. Uh, I just hadn't thought too much about it to be perfectly honest. Uh, no, I think that I think the the angle here is solid. It's it's seen real play here um, more than either of us had anticipated. The numbers all look solid, super popular. The price is great. The inventory is great. Blue black is obviously one of the bigger color combinations. By the way, I uh, I was checking EDH commanders today, and out of the top eight commanders that are not five colored, uh, black is in seven of them. <laughs> uh, really, really popular right now as an EDH color. And I don't know if that's just because we're coming out of, you know, kind of Innistrad that maybe where black was a little more represented, but black is, is way more, it seems much more popular than blue or green in terms of representation in recent commanders. And so the, I thought that was interesting. And so the follow-on comment there is taking a look at the other lands from both Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt that also include black. Because if you flag that there is a duel that is cheaper than the Shipwreck Marsh, Marsh foil borderless, like say it's 7 or $8 for one of the other ones, and you clock that that might be because there isn't a commander at present that wants that particular two-color pair, um, then that could be a thing that three months, six months at the arrival of said commander that wants that two-color pair, suddenly that foil borderless land could see a surge. And if it's lagging uh, behind the blue-black one because it's not the land in question is not a Wilhelm land um, or a... Uh, Edgar Markov land, then that could be an opportunity to get in at, on the ground floor at a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does seem like there are some some possibilities there, oh, for sure. I'll, I'll tell you that any of these that I pulled out of the scant amount of product, Midnight Hunt and Bow product I opened, I've put aside. There's no way I'm selling them now. No. no I, susp- I, I suspect given like enough time, these are 30 to $40 lands. Yeah, they could be. They could be, if, especially if we don't see any more versions of them pop up all right so your first selection of the week uh this one kind of caught my attention i wasn't expecting wasn't expecting to find it but it sure seems well positioned uh i don't get the claim to be clever on this one marionette master out of kaladesh uh has been printed a couple times but kaladesh is the uh the only foil copier oh wait no this they did uh, no, Forgotten Realms Commander. Oh, this had it in foil. Are you sure? But I think you're still. No, no, it didn't have it in foil. That's from the Commander deck, so it would have been non-foil. 
That's from the AFR. What? Oh, okay. Sorry, I did not click on the right link. Yeah, Commander AFR. Okay. I was going to say, I didn't think this had another point. Okay, there we go. Just the pre-release. Yes, right, 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 which is fine. The Marionette Master from Kaladesh. Six mana, one, three, with a Fabricate three. Uh, it's been like three years since Kaladesh, so you'll be excused if you don't remember what that is. When it enters, when this creature enters a battlefield, put three, one, one counters on it or create three, one, one artifact creatures, one, ones. And whenever an artifact you control dies, uh, target opponent loses life equal to Marionette Master's power. So if you pump Marionette Master's power and then start sacrificing artifacts, uh, people will die real quick. Um, so it's just a, a very powerful killing card. But the important thing here is Marionette Master is in 11,000 EDH rock deck, so doing pretty solid. Uh, there's no premium version, which means no like extended art or anything like that. Like the pack foils is as good as you're getting, which normally I'm a little reluctant at this point in time to talk about pack foils because generally I think players are expecting and desiring premium, like the, the bigger premium versions of cards. But I don't see getting another version of this card anytime soon. Like I just I don't know when we would possibly see this show up as a as a more premium version. Like, is it possible they put it in a secret layer? Sure. But like even that seems not terribly likely. Uh you can't you have to imagine. So I don't think you're gonna see any more copies of Marionette Master, at least in foil, for a long while to come. Uh in the meantime. Nearmint foils, there are 10 vendors, and that's like 15 copies. The cheapest one is seven bucks after shipping, and you know, there's just not a lot. So you're gonna pay about six to seven dollars. You might be able to scoop these up some other stores. I haven't really gone looking too hard. Um, <clears throat> but the TCG player inventory is so low, and you know, you're selling a copy or two a day, uh, every other day, maybe. The foil, the the price graph on uh, tcg player is over the last year is just up 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 um you know you're gonna buy these at six seven maybe eight dollar for foils and you're gonna sell marionette master and maybe th i mean the inventory is gonna empty out pretty quick here when are you gonna actually start selling them for 15 to 20 dollars probably sometime in the spring would be my guess um <clears throat> it may be sooner if calada if uh kamigawa brings something that makes us more useful for some reason, but you've got a pretty popular card with very low inventory on the foils and it's extremely unlikely to return anytime soon. A few notes here. The I agree fully that this is very unlikely to see a reprint. Uh, given that they just gave it to us in the AFR commander decks, that that seems to be the signal they're sending is where they, they will find reasons to slide it in. The reason they gave it to you in that deck is because the commander involved is one of the big driving forces behind the card in general prosper tome bound right because uh prosper at the beginning of your end step exile the top card of your library until the end of your turn you may play that card that's not the important part here pact boon is which is whenever you play a card from exile create a treasure token that means every time you sack a treasure token you trigger the marionette master ability which drains the uh drains the target opponent's life by could be four right um so prosper is a big big factor there you've also got uh Guillaume master chef the troll warlock food commander out of commander 2021 
uh, that puts a bunch of food tokens in play, which later get sacrificed and trigger Marionette Master in the same way. And the theme here is just any commander that cares about artifacts being sacrificed is a, and is black is going to be a reasonable place to slide in Marionette Master. You've also got Eloise Nephalia Sleuth. Whenever another creature you control dies, investigate. And then, of course, you're sacking the investigate tokens. Um, and that's going to trigger Master again. So... Those are the kind of commanders you're looking for to drive uh, interest. Uh, Prosper has been very popular over the last six months and may well continue to be in the top 10 for the rest of the year. Uh, <laughs> There's two weeks left. I don't think that's going to be hard. To I mean, cover. like the, the, the yearly <laughs> cycle. Um, the So yeah, I think Master is going to dodge a foil reprint for a while. It's going to show up in a Master set, maybe at Uncommon, maybe at Rare, uh, somewhere down the road. And in the meantime, you get a small handful of these, you're probably going to do just fine. Yeah, I, I think you're right that um, showing up as a, in a master set as a, an uncommon doesn't seem out of the question for sure. Um, I also think that uh, it will also do well in terms of just every time there's a commander that cares about that type of thing, that'll be useful. And even if proper is driving the, the numbers right now, I don't think that's going to be a... like. Even if proper were to lose a little bit of appeal, I still think this will be relatively popular in the long term um, for the reasons you cited. So I have, yeah, I, have, I, I have a vague memory of this card winning me a match of two-headed giant because huh. the cheeky opponent on the other side decided to wrap the board or something while I had a bunch of artifact creatures in play and then realized what he had done a little too late. <laughs> and just didn't read the, what the card does. Yeah. Um, all right, so moving along to my second selection here. This is certainly a card that is not uh, unique only to my own thinking. It's been under discussion in the Discord off and on since it was revealed. Wash Away out of Innistrad Crimson Vow is notable because it's a one-mana blue counterspell that can counter commanders uh, because it has Cleave of three, which just basically makes it a three-mana counterspell. And then you get to cast it for one if the spell that you're countering wasn't cast from its owner's hand. So it could be something that's getting snapcastered back. Um, it could be a free spell uh, off some trigger, or it could be somebody's commander. And as a result, it's showing up in a significant number of EDH uh, decks on EDH rec. And this is, I'm looking at this as a buy list play. You can snap these off at about a dollar, dollar ten, dollar fifteen in reasonable quantity on TCG right now, and from other sources as well. And it's the it's in the top five non-land cards for EDH from Crimson Vow. It's already in 1,500-plus deck, 6% inclusion rate on EDH rec. It, as I said, it counters commanders and free spells, and CK credit on it is already a dollar. So when you can buy an uncommon from a set that literally just hit print, uh, and the, the buy list is pretty close to the purchase price, Suggest that maybe in a year you're going to be able to buy list these for $2 that you picked up at $1.15, and that's going to be a nice little addition to whatever buy list you're selling in. Okay, so you're you're buying the non-foil, just normal pack washaways yep. uh, at a buck and then looking to turn them into $2, maybe even more with store credit boosts yep. in a couple months. Well, like a year. It might happen hmm. in three to six months. I mean, other thing, deadly dispute out of AFR. There's a, a pro trader that's uh, uh, was showing off that he sold hundreds of copies of that for big money, uh, which was a card that was way under our radar. Uh, and I think this is like has a similar vibe to it. It's going to be one of those commons or uncommons that's under the radar for a lot of people, but it's going to be a really nice buy list play. Okay. 
Uh, I mean, I have to be honest that I I hadn't thought too much about this, but I think that it's a, a reasonable attempt here. Um, and I, I like the idea of trying to, to put some stuff in here that's a, that's more than just shooting for the moon. I think the buy-less type of specs are, are solid um, and they appeal to probably some other types of listeners, some of our listeners who operate in a slightly different space. I, it works for me, um, and I think it's a it's a type of car that you're probably going to get away. It's probably going to work well if you're doing this type of thing. Seems like the right type of car to do this with. Yeah, and it's definitely not a supply side play at present. There's like 139 listings. Again, the set just came out, so it's going to take some time to work its way up the ramp. But I don't, you know, I, Deadly Dispute, Dispute is like a four dollar card right now or something as a common from AFR. So, jeez, and. Uh, I suspect that this is in the same ballpark of overall demand for EDH play. Yeah, I mean, that type of stuff, you know, it surprises us. I mean, this is definitely the type of card that, like, a year from now, we could have been like, hey, look at this Uncommon. The foils are $3, and it's really popular. You should buy these and shoot to go to 7 because P just sells a ton of copies. So uh, it makes sense. Um, it's it's slightly different, a slightly different way of entering the card than I think at least I would typically think to do not that that's wrong just not how it would typically hit my radar but i, I don't think there's anything wrong with the, the play here at all it's probably going to work out quite well especially if you've got a, a good buy list operation going and you do that type of thing regularly yep 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 speaking of deadly dispute there's a bunch of copies under two dollars still in in uh, europe if you are looking for a buy list exit on that card what's ck offering on that bad boy right now oh you know what's going to happen now that you said that Oh, people go buy There's it. There's going to be a deadly dispute in our discard for who gets to buy them. Well, deadly dispute is currently being offered at a dollar sixty cash, two dollars credit from Card Kingdom. Uh, so you're pretty much covered on that play from Europe as long as you got your shipping worked out. Yeah, nice. Uh, all right, so moving along to your next selection. Uh, my second card is a card that I am going to be honest. I kind of forgot it. It didn't. Not even. Not even going to claim that I knew that it existed. But uh, it is doing pretty well here. Cunning rhetoric out of Commander Twenty One. And let me read this card for you, since I'm. If you're anything like me, you might have forgotten this is out there. Cunning rhetoric is a three mana black enchantment from Commander Twenty One. Whenever an opponent attacks you or a planeswalker. Uh, exile the top card of that player's library and then you can play you can play it and you can play it pay amount of any color so basically it creates it's something of a of a um a ghostly prison essentially it's attacks if you attack me you're gonna exile a card from the top of your library and then i get to play it uh whatever i want to i have to pay mana for it but uh i get to play it so it's it creates a nice little rattlesnake there um honestly the seems like it might have have been more of a red card than a black but that's neither here nor there there this is only in commander 21 so you have the pack copies and you have the extended art copies uh and the, so there's no foils of this um it's in 7,000 eda truck decks which you know at this point in time given eda truck numbers is is slightly lower but it is in a new card um what the other notable point here is it is the fourth most popular card from commander 21 uh not by percentage inclusion, but by raw volume of card usage, which is, of course, the number we care more about because we just want to know how many copies are getting sold, not what's popular within its context. So it's actually a very popular card. Sells about a copy a day, so there's a pretty good, pretty decent volume on this. Again, I don't know when you would see a, a better version of this card. Like the extended art non-foil seems like the best one you're going to get for quite some time. 
maybe they toss it into a a masters double masters type set but like they've got no shortage of stuff to do that with uh so i'm not holding my breath there's the inventory here is media is medium there's like 54 vendors so there's there's some supply out there but you know you're gonna pay six bucks for these six to seven dollars and give it a give it a year give it a year commander 21 still uh relatively new and stash these aside and i think these extended art cunning rhetorics will end up at 12 14 16 bucks down the road and you'll be glad you had stashed them when you did two points dad one, despite these being listed as Commander 2021 cards all over the place, did, they're not. Did you say dad? No, to add. Oh. <laughs> though we are both dads, so I could address you as such. The, uh, yeah, so these aren't Commander 2021 cards. The The regular border non-foil is, but the extended art version comes out of Strixhaven CBs. Oh, that's that's right. I forgot. I, w- I knew that they came out of the premium product, but I couldn't remember which one that it was and i was thinking it was i don't know what i was thinking it was yeah because the command the way they do it now is like the commander 2021 decks came out at the same t- uh, basically alongside strixhaven and yeah and so all of the new cards that are in the commander decks get the ea treatment in uh in the cbs so the other the other thing to note is that the buy list support on this is strong like card kingdom is already offering four dollars and forty cents cash and 572 credit uh, mm-hmm. On cunning rhetoric EAs, so if you're looking to get in around six, again, you're you have a fallback position uh, if it doesn't work out. Uh, this is one of those like mid-tier EDH staples that some people will forget about, but if it gets featured on Command Zone or whatever one day, there could be a bump in sales, and otherwise, it's just going to be a slow, steady drag up the ladder as Commander Twenty One decks uh, stop being cracked for value basically once that process mm-hmm. stops then it's kind of an inevitability for these event to eventually be somewhere in the 10 to 20 dollar range yeah cool uh thank you for clarifying yep uh, uh what's your last one this next one i'm surprised to see we did not have on our call list earlier this and year probably because the price was too high at every single point in time, it had really. it has slid down and that's part of why it's attractive now um, because as the hype cycles have, have marched on, this has actually gone down, not up, uh, in the interim, which is kind of like a normal thing, um, that you would expect six months out from a release. Um, I'm talking about Demonic Tutor. We talked about the global art foils and non-foils. One, I think the non-foils was talked about by me months back down the road. Sods, one of the, uh, Discord members called the other ones both global art and those are indeed actually on their way to making money um and the foil version of the japanese alt art which is the really cool oni red white and black art um that i think everybody agrees is the best demonic tutor art ever uh the 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 classic holds a place for many of us uh but it's also hard to argue that this one isn't the like objectively best one other than for nostalgia purposes. Yeah, we're on the exact same page. The uh, alpha beta art is the most nostalgic. This is the highest quality. Um, so the foils are up to, are at like 305. And they were as low as like 260, 270. Uh, let me see the lowest they ever got. Yeah, they, they started up in the 350 range. The foils got down to about 260, 270. They've drifted back up. And the lowest price copy for the foils now is about 305. Um, so holding those looked like it was a good idea. 
um, for, for anybody that opened them, down to 16 listings on those. So if we look at the non-foils, they are at about 115 with 17 listings left. These are going to go 115 to 175, and I would guess that's going to happen in about a year. So 50% gains minus fees and shipping. This is a really cool version of this card. They're never going to reprint this one. No nothing we know about reprint strategies for Magic suggests they will uh, to date. If they turn the corner, say, three or four years down the road and decide, hey, you know what would be a really cool set we could do? Alt-Art Masters and just give people Alt-Art Liliana and Alt-Art Demonic Tutor and put the Planeswalker symbol down in the left corner. That's a thing that could happen, but I suspect that that's a ways off yet. Um, so I think there's plenty of room for these to hollow out and go 115 to 120. I actually saw some $100 copies on Harayuya today. Um, which were looking pretty tempting, given that the they're actually closer to like 94 or something with the current exchange rate. Uh, I think those are buys. I suspect these are going to are gonna double while people aren't looking. And it's Demonic Tutor. Like you don't, <laughs> it's not that they're never going to give you another version. It's that it's not going to matter because this version is so unique that it will trump other options that they dump in front of us. Yeah, this so I I think that this is probably this could take a while to really cook, and I, when I say a while, I'm talking like years, years and years. Uh, but I also completely believe that four years from now, if you told me that this demonic tutor was six hundred dollars, I would have no trouble believing you. So it's just a matter, I think, of how long you're willing to to get in and ride ride it. But I do think that it will be essentially outside of alpha and beta probably the most and maybe unlimited the best version um and it just you know how, how long do you want to wait is the only really the only question if i had to choose something from our cards to watch this week that i wanted to be the travis allen award of the year for being last person standing on a on a card on tcg player it's probably this because uh, i suspect one day you're going to be like hey i got 386 dollars on this today maybe Maybe it's not it's not a bad it's not a bad way to do business. <laughs> so here's the capper. At, and this is a theme through most of my picks this week. Um, the buy list support on this is excellent. Ninety five cash, one twenty three credit. So buying it buying in at one fifteen cash minus maybe you got a discount coupon somewhere or whatever. Maybe you got a credit card you can leverage some points on, or you're buying them in Japan and you're getting them for a little cheaper. All of that sounds good to me. Yeah. That's 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 good. That is good stuff to hear. So I, I think it's a solid pick. I, I absolutely think it's a great pick. Um, and as far as the foils go, if you're holding any of those folks, I would just keep holding. Because yeah. however long it's going to take the non-foils to get to 500, I'm much more confident that the foils can get to 500. What are the foils right now? Uh, I think we said they were... 300 something? 315... And the things like these, the non-foils were at like 140 midsummer, so they're actually down on the back of people slowly undercutting each other. Uh, 305 is the cheapest, then 330 on the foils. But okay. but there's only like five copies until you get to 420. Yeah, yeah. And I recognize a couple. I, I recognize a couple of pro traders and ex pro traders and in, in the list of people that are holding on TCG player. So uh, don't expect them to get too desperate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're they're also probably they're well aware for the long they know what they're holding yeah 
No, that's cool. I, yeah, I think it's a good choice. It's, um, you know, it's 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 a bit pricey possibly for some of our listeners, but I mean, there's no way that the best version of Demonic Tutor doesn't end up working out pretty well. All right. So moving right along to topic of the week, we got on the horizon, Kamigawa. Uh, Return to Kamigawa is going to be the next big thing. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is the name of the set, and it releases on... I did know this off the top of my head, but don't anymore... Uh, it is going to be on February eighteenth, twenty twenty-two, which is pretty late in the in the season, really. I, I guess it's pushed back a few weeks because they slipped that extra Innistrad set in towards the end of the year, um, and they probably wanted to make sure that Kamigawa landed outside of that credit card debt period that tends to follow on the holiday season. I wonder how much they actually care about that. I mean, I can't, this whole thing seems to me like a pivot that was meant to work around the holiday season, like drop a set right before the holidays to make sure there's Christmas gifts aplenty, and then drop a set after people have paid off that credit card bill. Uh, that seems very specific to me. Um, but anyway, February 18th, so it's still a ways off. We're, we're looking at almost two full months. Uh, and so I'd imagine spoiler season should start about a month from now, probably second week of January. Okay. Something like that. Um, a little bit of time. But we've got some early uh, early looks at some of the themes of the set vis-a-vis art that is floating around. Um, one of the key pieces of art, which is, is the uh, product cover shot for the set booster boxes, shows a ninja, cyber ninja on a rooftop with an origami raccoon on his shoulder so raccoon companion inbound yeah that i i i mean so here that's my guess is that that is um like the you uh not yuriko uh do i mean yuriko the commander yeah yuriko the tiger shadow is definitely the commander yeah, it probably like related to Yuriko in some capacity, where it's like a, a future, a descendant, birth, a future a descendant. great grandchild. Yeah. yeah, 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 that type of thing. Could be. Um, and that that raccoon. I mean, the raccoon may in fact even be like a uh, a ragavan type character, a ragavan type scenario where like it plays into the card mechanic, and then you know, then they have the option. Maybe in the commander product, they print the actual companion well i mean it means that in modern horizons 3 they're going to give us the raccoon and it's going to be the best card of the year i mean at this point in time that doesn't seem like an unplausible outcome (laughs) yeah so you know there was always this like are they bringing back ninjas they probably are yes this seems to confirm they definitely are yes this is very much a cyberpunk uh look and feel there's some keystone art for uh, like a Neo Tokyo type city floating around um, that shows this big crazy tree in the middle of the city. Um, so I'm sure that will factor in with the green cards, I would imagine. There's uh, all the greater hedge. <laughs> yeah, there's also the bundle art that was released. Uh, and apparently the, the most notable uh, shift with that product mix is that it doesn't contain, this is what we used to call fat packs. Uh, doesn't contain contain draft boosters anymore. Now it comes with eight set boosters. Um, so they're they're continuing this pivot 
away from draft and towards set boosters, where I suspect they end up with draft boosters being a niche product in whatever markets can support it. And that's worth uh, noting again this week, because one of the announcements in the last week since we last talked was that in China and Korea, they're canceling draft boosters entirely. Mm -hmm. And they're only releasing set boosters, which suggests that those are markets where they hardly, where nobody really drafts and they feel like they can ratchet up the price and focus on the collectors. And where they can get away with that, they will, because they charge us more for less in a set booster box. Which is, I mean, which is a little fascinating. I, th- I think it's it's partly that they, um, you know, the 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 demand for those player bases is different. But I do wonder how much of it is, hey, we know that um, the majority of competitive Magic players in Korea and Japan speak English or read English. Uh, so we don't feel the need to give them their own language product because uh, they don't need it. And we can cut down the costs on that. Mm, I don't think that's what's happening. Because they still they can still get the English ones, I believe, if I recall, if I remember correctly. Did did it say in the announcement that they were that they distribution there would have access to draft booster boxes, but only in English? I I don't have it up in front of me, but I I feel like I remember that was the case. I have to wonder how much of that is. Well, I guess it would be the, might be in the case of Korea, but wouldn't be in the case of uh, China. Certainly, would be how much of it is flowing to U.S. Army bases. I mean, I wouldn't underestimate the amount of U.S. Armed Forces abroad that play Magic. We certainly have several of them in our Discord. Um, Anyway, on the set booster bundle, it had different key art. And this one seems to show the Wanderer, the enigmatic uh, samurai planeswalker that was last seen during War of the Spark on Ravnica. Uh, That that we all thought was Urza. Yeah, yeah. But it turned out was not. Urza or Ugin. I think Ugin was who I thought it was. Oh, Ugin, yeah, that's what it was. Uh, yeah, I thought it was Ugin in 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 human form, looking to mess things up, but apparently not. And so you can certainly imagine that you're getting a Wanderer Planeswalker card that should be pretty cool. Uh, in this set, that seems likely. Uh, and then we also saw the art for the cover of the Collector Booster boxes, uh, and the Collector Booster boxes seem to show a cyber samurai or ninja rat riding a motorbike so vehicles question mark (laughs) uh yeah i mean vehicles and equipment it would seem i guess we're going to get motorcycles and magic now seems very likely we should be on the lookout for a a top tier vehicle and possibly a top tier shadow spear-esque equipment are they going to give us like a redux of Umazawa's Jete or something. Jit? Is that how you're supposed to say it? I think it's Jit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a throwback to the Jit. Um, or, um, you know, a, a cool samurai sword or something that ends up being uh, highly playable in ADH. There was also really nice poster art that's floating around that all of the, uh, the LGS owners, or maybe, I don't know if it was premium only or what, got. There's a with a really cool looking samurai on it. Uh, those look, I might actually want to own one of those now that I'm looking at it closely. Quality, the art's pretty good and does fit in with my decor. Uh, are you talking about the... The pink background one with the yeah. highly detailed samurai with the tattoos and all the accoutrement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I will say that 
as much as I am ultimately probably not really wild about the set within the magic context, uh, the artwork is cool looking. Like, you know, like all other millennials, I am drawn to this type of design and aesthetic. There was also a couple other tidbits that were released based on early listings on Amazon. The two commander decks that are associated with this release are called Buckle Up and Upgrades Unleashed. Oh, so we are very clearly getting vehicles then. Buckle Up sounds very much like a vehicle-centric deck. <laughs> and I didn't catch that that was, that was one of the pieces of information we had, but yeah, there you go. And Upgrades Unleashed to me sounds like a... Jeez, uh, what was the name of that game I played on ps4 uh geez who's the cyborg gets all the upgrades anyway it doesn't matter the bottom line is i suspect that's related to a mechanic that lets you incrementally upgrade uh your character so that could be your creature so it could be like a level up they could go back to leveling as last seen in zendikar block um or something similar that could be the new mechanic of the set. Like we could easily get, have sub themes of artifacts and vehicles, rats, ninjas, samurais, etc., and then they're going to throw one new mechanic at us that will be some version of kicker. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting because I don't really think of level up as being thematic in this context whatsoever. Uh, but, but, the, but the idea of like using software in a cyberpunk setting to upgrade your abilities does work yes so so it doesn't necessarily need to be level up but something along those lines where the characters get better as you invest resources in them right it'll like be level up in all but name only essentially yeah that's that's the kind of thing i'd be thinking of there um so the other piece of news related is that there is this company called beetle and grims you can find them at beetle and grims.com that's b-e-a-d-l-e and grims g-r-i-m-m-s.com that has been putting out premium uh, D&D and Pathfinder box sets. And so for people that don't play D&D, every once in a while they put out a campaign book, which is like, this is a full set of missions that you could take, you could uh, pre- present to your group and run them through. And it would take them from, say, level 3 to level 15 or something um, to complete Uh, that campaign book and so you're running the whole thing kind of on a chapter by chapter basis and beetle and grimps put out like premium versions of the campaign books that gave you a bunch of miniatures a bunch of maps some posters some like accoutrement that you can hand out to the players to give them some kind of tactile uh things like one player finds a specific artifact and you can actually hand it to them or whatever and these things were going for like five hundred dollars um and there seems to be a Kamigawa thing called Kamigawa Platinum Edition that is teased on their website currently. And it says, prepare yourself. So I suspect uh, these are going to be up for pre-order on December 16th. So basically by the time people hear this cast, because uh, we're recording it on the 14th, and I would imagine two things will happen there. One, we're going to get some additional tidbits about the set leaked out of that process. And two... This is probably them revisiting the Throne of Eldraine Deluxe Collection that was announced September 19th, 2019. This was the one that came with a binder, uh, some collector booster packs, and a little poster of Garrick. And then there was like a nine-card cut sheet, uh, a three-by-three card strip from a foil sheet of Throne of Eldraine, 
uh, and then there were some arena codes, and they tried to get 450 for that, and it sold very, very poorly. So the question is, have they learned their lesson from that experiment, and are we going to get something extra sexy with the Platinum Edition on Beetle and Grimm's? Yeah, I mean, I guess they, they really want to make that product work, I suppose. Uh, so they're... Because money. Yeah, because they, I mean, I was looking at the D&D one before we started recording and I was aghast at what you got and how much it cost. Uh, so I can see, you know, there's there's definitely a temptation here from Wizards to even more so sell you uh, $11 worth of paper uh, for $600. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense that they would be pursuing this, but now they're going to partner with somebody who's done it successfully for some of their other products would seem to be the path they're taking here. I'm exactly the market for this kind of thing. If the value is there, if this is something like a collector booster box and a set booster box and extras, and the extras are like a hundred dollar upcharge, probably they've got me for a unit. Just as a collectible. Now, if this collectible gets listed on TCG Player, I think that makes a big difference. Uh, not for me, because I'll be selling it on eBay if I choose to resell it. But the for the people that deal with TCG and TCG Direct, this would be the kind of thing where if you got in at 450 or 500, you're going to want to be able to get out at 7 or 800 to justify your involvement. Otherwise, it's a pure collector piece. Yeah, and I mean, I. You're right. I, I, you know, given how the the Throne of Aldrain one went, like there doesn't seem to be a huge appetite for this within the magic space, unless they've come up with some clever item or product to put in that's going to pull people into it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what what they think is going to happen here. Yeah, because they they gave us sixteen Throne of Eldraine collector boosters, so that was basically one point three CB boxes, and then a binder and a bunch of nonsense. So (laughs) definitely didn't justify the extra $200. Uh, But that is not far off the model for Beetle and Grimm. So wouldn't get your hopes up for massive EV. But then again, if that ends up being the response, then owning one of them and not touching it for a little while might not be the craziest idea because it might be one of those things where if it ages well, uh, if the value is realized later, then could be a thing. On the other hand, it could just be sitting around. I, I haven't checked on what you can get a Throne of Eldraine Deluxe Collection for on eBay these days, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was below the original, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was 100 bucks above. Let's just see. I was just going to ask, do you know what the uh, what the Beatles and well, Grimm stuff resells? So for? here's the thing. The lowest price factory-sealed Throne of Eldraine Deluxe Collection on eBay right now is 850 yeah but completed items much more relevant in this case uh none sold recently it looks like it looks like one sold for like an opened one sold just under 500 not so long ago but it seems like the kind of thing where you could get stuck holding it for anywhere from six months to three years and find ask yourself why you didn't just focus on other things like whatever ultra premium soren the mirthless 
Kojima style thing is going to come out of here. Because the other piece tidbit of information that's floating around is that there are definitely going to be Japanese alt arts related to Kamigawa. That seems like a lock given that it's a Japanese inspired set. And that the, those alt arts are going to be pr- available through Western distribution in Europe and North America. So we're looking at a set that I suspect is going to play out similar to Strixhaven. Yeah, I wonder if um, Strixhaven was something of a test run. I mean, it was pretty big to be a test run, but they clearly tried it out with Strixhaven and it didn't do terribly. Uh, Um, So there's an appeal for them to continue that. Apparently, all the sets that have had special stuff like that have all been led by the same designer. I want to say it's Mike Long, mm. but I may have that wrong. Um, uh, Mike Long is the notorious magic cheater. I don't think, unless they have somebody else in the building with the exact same name. Uh, let me see who the Strixhaven design team was. Maybe they do. Shouldn't be too hard to find. Bottom line, somebody mentioned in the Discord that the the whoever was heading up uh, the team for Strixhaven was the same person that was heading this up, so it wouldn't be surprising for it to be structured in a similar way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Kamigawa and Neon Di- Dynasty. Uh, we're gonna have a platinum edition to discuss to dissect next week, and I suspect we'll be saying that I'll be saying that it's cool, and you'll be saying it's not worth it. And we'll get back to that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's not that, you know, I can appreciate some of the stuff on its aesthetic appeal. Um, like I said, the artwork is kind of cool and I like, and I like that. Uh, but when I, when I think about these premium products for magic, magic players have seemed somewhat resistant to um, some of the bells and whistles that you see with like D and D products in a way, uh, you know, the extras essentially for better or for worse. So it seems like it might be a little harder to sell magic players on this stuff than D and D players. We'll see if they figured it out this time. All right. So we can uh, talk about that next week. guess that gets us to wrap. Where can people find you online, Travis? Oh, I remain on Twitter at wizard bumping B U M P I N. And you? you guys can find me on Twitter at MDG critic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting of the pro trader discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just nine 99 a month or one nine 99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business and a super active discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing magic the gathering did i see that you went in on a group buy uh i did yes you, you, this doesn't happen very often folks travis largely ignores <laughs> ignores this action but i think we, we tempted him with the uh mh2 cbs at 313 a box yeah i it's it's you know what it is is i i have all the notifications off because i just can't really keep up with it and so I usually don't notice it unless I'm like particularly bored at work and open disc and like go open that up and I happen to catch your message and I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll give it a shot. But they usually work out well. Yeah. I mean, I suspect that those are going to be solid gainers sealed and they're also just not, they're probably your best option of anything you could be opening if you've got the crack and fever. These days, I opened a couple of them this weekend and anytime you pull a rag fan or a border, 
spoiled borderless solitude or something, you're having a good day. And your, your yeah, fallback I, position I, is that you get two or three fetch lands typically in those boxes. So it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, in the space of sort of just leaving the stuff sealed because it's just easier. It's just so much easier to buy and sell the stuff sealed than it is to crack it. Yep. Um, and, d- and that worked out well with double annoying. masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just going to try and hang out on it and see. Hopefully we'll get there. Modern Horizons 2 is just such a ludicrous set for both EDH and, you know, modern that it's like, sure. Like, why am I not interested in doing this? Once again, that's your part, I suppose. MTG. Once again, yeah, you just, you derailed me. So I wasn't (laughs) looking at my copy that I don't have memorized. Wait, my hands in front of the screen. Once again, MTG Vest Finance is... Probably sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can buy and sell the best and Magic the Gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Don't forget to use the promo code Finance5 at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Did I get all of that? I did close. that off Pretty my close, head. pretty close. Okay. Very close. Which which is funny because like I th- it was just like flexing a muscle. Like I just put my hand in front of the screen and just read, and it just it just came. Uh that's kind of funny uh yeah that's episode 302 in the books uh next week is right before christmas um true i think our year end review is gonna have it will fall in like january or february right because usually that ends up if we're following like the actual 52 week schedule that lands us yeah i mean we don't have to wait wait till the 52 weeks i I suspect we're doing it either next week or first week of january but we'll uh, talk that over yeah, and that, that that'll be people people's opportunity to call us to task on uh, our wins and losses for the for the year. And I suspect I, I'm going to try to go back and look at some of the data from the year before as well, because any of the stuff where we let ourselves off the hook saying, "Ah, this hasn't had enough time to percolate," don't judge us yet. May as well dredge that up and see if we did any better once it had more time. Uh, anything that I didn't do well enough with is still percolating. Yeah, or it's the it's the fault That's... of Pioneer being dropped or COVID. That's an easy one. All right. P- P- pioneer is a legitimate <laughs> pioneer into COVID is a legitimate problem there right? it really like, is i have a huge stack of cards on my desk from pioneer not on my desk but on this other table from pioneer and that was oh those were such good specs i, I somebody we didn't we didn't do a pro trader selection this week there were some ones that i was bored i was just about to, uh, on the verge of selecting one of the ones that was was tabled was uh foil smugglers coffers <laughs> mm-hmm. on the back of the kamigawa thing having uh vehicles and i was like i don't quite have the heart to put smugglers copper back on the table after the pioneer fiasco Man, do you know how many goddamn Heart of Kirins I have? Yeah, that makes sense. They were they were such a good spec. I was paying like 50 cents for them and they got up to like 250 or 3 bucks and I was like, "Okay, I these are going to be 7 bucks and I'm going to be golden." And then it was like Pioneer dropped off just like we hit Christmas and like the you know, the that season and Pioneer was losing a little bit of traction. And I was like, that's fine. Like, people are going to come back to the tables, you know, like they'll get back on another Heart of Kieran deck and then March 2020. Yeah. CK won't even take any of those in non foil at all. So, yeah. So, Prey the Vehicles are very impressive indeed. And for some reason, there's a vehicle commander, which which seems reasonably likely. Like that, that buckle up one, commander should care about, should be vehicles matters, right? Uh, You'd have to imagine. And we have not seen. 
At least I can't think of a vehicle matters commander. If they are, they're kind of like roundabout. I mean, so there are there are some there are some little... legends from Kaladesh. Ka- Kaladesh, but like, are they like they're not good though, right? Dipala, I guess is that one. Dipala, that I remember the name. Dipala pilot like... pilot exemplar. Let's read Dipala for a second to cap things. But off. it doesn't seem like it was anything in the way that like uh, Wilhel or. Um... Not Prosh, the other in ter- one. In terms of popularity, yeah, definitely not. Uh, so Dapala is a dwarf pilot. Prosper, that's what I wanted to say. One red, white, three, three. Other dwarves you control get plus one, plus one. Each vehicle you control gets plus one, plus one, as long as it's a creature. And when she becomes tapped, you pay X. If you do reveal the top X cards of your library, put all dwarf and vehicle cards from among them into your hand, blah, 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 blah. Here's the problem. Don't run out and buy Depalos because I bet you the buckle up will not be in the same colors. Yeah, because she was red-white, correct? Yep. Yeah, I would be inclined to agree with you there. But the, it might be. We'll see, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean... Seems like a blue-red thing know. in Kamigawa to be messing with the vehicles. Maybe. But then again, like the blue-black feels like... I don't know. Like rats are obviously going to be black. Samurai are going to be black. So maybe it'll end up with white rod because like what else are they going to do? I think samurai were red, white, black in original Kamigawa, if I'm not mistaken. And ninjas are blue, black. Yeah. I like just based on like the design space, it seems like. Ninjas into into red is a potential bleed here. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, I would expect there to be ninjas in all the colors. But like, because you'll get some, you'll get some like fast, like red one drop ninja or something. I could see that. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I suppose that given that it's Kamigawa, they they might be like, listen, this is the ninja set. Everyone's gonna get some ninjas. I don't, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll we'll know more about this by next week, I suspect. Uh, bottom line, there could be some vehicle specs in the near future. Yeah, the bottom line is that everyone should start playing Heart of Kieran in every deck and every format. Because I've got sure, like sure. 200. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, everybody. They were 50 cents. We will see you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. <laughs>